0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go.
1: Instead of-
0: Welcome to another edition of the ODPH podcast, or better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello,
2: hello, hello. And also your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Ken, I just want to say thank you. I wasn't going to return back to the show without my original headset, and you went out and you got it for me, so I appreciate that. Thank you. It was a tough ordeal, but we did it because we we wanted to avoid any arbitration here on
0: the ODPH. I
2: didn't want to have to go there, and thank God we didn't because I could return to the show with my original headset.
0: Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of sports talk, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, join in the conversation on social media. You can find out all our links are on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, so definitely join in on that. But before we get into the sports talk, we definitely got to give a shout-out to One Movie Punch, your daily movie review podcast for everything is currently playing, newly streaming classic and cult movies. Now, how often are they putting out episodes? One movie per day, every day. That is a lot of movies. Absolutely. They do an awesome job. I listen every day. We are actually featured on episode 561, where they're covering the movie The Kitchen. Okay, I think that's a new one. Yes, it is. Just came out, so definitely check them out. You can find them at onemoviepunch.com, facebook.com slash onemoviepunch, twitter.com slash onemoviepunch, and instagram.com slash onemoviepunch. And you can also check their show out on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google, and iHeartRadio. But enough from me, you can hear from them yourselves.
1: Hello there. Do you like movies but feel overwhelmed by the avalanche of titles available every week in the theaters and on streaming services? Do you struggle with justifying the increasing cost of movies at the theater or whether to pick up another streaming service? Well, I have a resource for you. One Movie Punch. Your movie review podcast for currently playing, newly streaming, classic, and cult movies. One movie per day, every day. We track the theaters, streaming services, and the occasional physical release to find the best movies currently available. We watch every film, then distill it into a short three-to-five-minute review and publish a daily podcast. And now with year two, we've gone spoiler-free for all movies within the last three years and bringing on a team of reviewers with brand-new perspectives and selections. Want more information? Head over to www.onemoviepunch.com to subscribe to the daily podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at OneMoviePunch and Facebook at www.facebook.com slash OneMoviePunch. We'll see you there.
0: Thanks again to One Movie Punch for playing our promo on their show, episode 561, and we are more than happy to return the favor to you here on the ODPH. For more information on them, check out OneMoviePunch.com. But let's jump right into that sports talk. I mean, we got a few things to talk about. We have a few things to talk about. You heard at the beginning of the show, and we'll just remind you again, use that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Join in that conversation on social media. And the first
2: big story of the NFL preseason mm-hmm. has to be, oh, let me guess,
1: Daniel Jones going 5 for
2: 5, going right into the Hall of Fame after his first preseason game?
1: Nah, it can't be that. It's got to be Tom Brady's uh, new average annual salary being like $28.3 million. 28 to 3.
2: But he was 5 for 5 against the second team defense. Hall of Famer. Oh
0: I mean he's my number one pick in fantasy football. I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't blame you. That's a steal. I know. I'm yeah. in fact in all my leagues I'm trying to trade up to get him. So it's a little spoiler for everybody. No, the biggest story of this offseason thus far, preseason, however you want to define this time period in the NFL.
1: Antonio Brown. What the heck is going on there? I mean, one could say this isn't the hottest story in the preseason. Hey! The hey! hey. Pat, break it down for us. So, story comes out last week that, and it was posted to Antonio Brown's Instagram story, which you won't be able to view anymore, but you can find the image online. If you haven't seen the image yet, I, I, I if you're of weak constitution, I would kind of recommend against seeing it, but if you're one of those that, like, you like seeing gnarly photos and crazy stuff, yeah, go for it. Uh, the photo got posted to Antonio Brown's Instagram story like I said and it was of his feet and they were the weirdest looking like burnt looking skin missing feet I've ever seen and everyone's kind of going wait what in the world happened to his feet that doesn't look like any normal human's feet should look like. Uh, Come to find out Antonio Brown went to France into a cryotherapy Uh, clinic to get do some cryotherapy. A lot of sports athletes use it, LeBron James, Steph Curry, JaVale McGee, among many others like to use the thing. But the the key thing with this is you are exposing yourself to temperatures near uh, minus 400 degrees Fahrenheit, which if anyone remembers your high school science at all, that's near absolute zero where molecules stop moving. Like, they just don't move anymore. And obviously, when you're at temperatures that cold, you need to wear protective clothing. Uh, And story is that Antonio Brown did not wear protective clothing. So you've already got that going on.
0: Yeah, this is how this is starting the preseason off for the Raiders, that he is going to get the treatment and cryogenic therapy like that when you see these players getting to these chambers and it's supposed to heal their muscles quicker you can think that this is like an ice bath times a thousand right or a million however you want to find it
1: right but the thing to remember is you know the fda does not recommend this like they're they're kind of like not sold on it they're not really certain on it and then the uh, the american dermatology association also does not recommend it coach
2: would you let a player do cryogenic therapy I mean, I've seen a lot of athletes do it, so I, I would. Why not? I mean, it's good for their you – know, from all intents and purposes, supposed to be good for them. I would just hope that they wouldn't be stupid enough not to wear the proper attire. I mean, this is why they say when like when you have to sign the waiver, like this is why you sign that because right. – They want you to be protected. Like, so it just, to me, it's just, it was a nonsensical move. It was just a a, a lapse of judgment, I would say. But, you know, Antonio Brown, like, it's the same thing as the athletes with the steroids. Oh, I didn't know it was there. Right. It is your responsibility to take care of yourself. Literally, they, athletes are the antithesis of the, your body is your temple Mm. speech. You know, like, so if you don't know what you're doing to your body, do not do it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where he needs
0: to jump in. I mean, obviously, it's a little different than steroids because this is a legal process. Right, no, I mean, right, absolutely. Just just, just to to clarify, just to clarify.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying, though, like, for all intents and purposes, you literally need to know before you do something what you're getting into, and you need to make sure that you're properly protecting yourself from – x y and z result
0: because right. especially with the drama of him leaving pittsburgh mm-hmm. that he wanted desperately out he did not want to play with ben roethlisberger anymore
1: although his kids wanted him too. <laughs> if you saw the first episode of hard Knocks, oh my god awkward yeah. Yes. yeah
0: that to see hbo's hard knocks is you need to watch it to get the full gist of what we're yeah about. i mean yeah. there's
2: no way to. they were just oh where's ben where's ben <laughs> he's like he's in pittsburgh buddy like yeah yeah so for him to
0: leave, and he wound up in Oakland, he did not wind up in Buffalo, and I'm very thankful for that as a Bills fan. Right now you are, yeah. Oh, I still am. I, I Like I, I, I texted
2: would. you, the Bills are the smartest team. The Bills and the Steelers are the two smartest teams in the room right now.
0: Yeah, they're winning because, I mean, obviously this is just the tip of the iceberg, pun intended, yeah. with Antonio Brown because now he's out in Oakland, And you can kind of see everything was in the honeymoon phase, him meeting up with Derek Carr, and he obviously seemed excited to be there. And then we have this incident to kick off preseason. Mm -hmm. And then after this happens, there is a just a miscommunication, no communication. However you want to find it, there is a gap of time where Antonio Brown and his representatives are not talking with the Raiders who are trying to investigate what's going on with their star franchise Wide receiver. Well,
1: it's not even this. They're, they're trying to investigate what's going on. They just want to know wh- how his feet are because there's a, they've got a lot of money invested in this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be their star wide receiver. You know, the guy that if they put a banner outside the stadium like advertising, come to Raiders games, he, like or a billboard in Oakland, he's going to be on that billboard. You know, they they just want to say, hey, how's things going? How are the feet going? But like, he's not answering calls. They can't get a hold of him. They don't even know where he is. Yeah, <laughs> they just want to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. well, because in this
0: situation, it's almost one of those contract clauses that I think. There, everybody's right. trying to sort through because there are certain players throughout the history of sports that has clauses in their contracts about not doing certain activities that are mm-hmm. not pertaining to the field. I mean, Aaron Boone, when he played for the New York Yankees, was told in his contract, you cannot play basketball. Yep. And then what happened? He tore his knee out playing basketball. his knee out in the offseason. So teams are getting a little wiser about what activities are allowing their mm-hmm. players to do on the offseason. season. And at this stage, too, with Antonio Brown, the Raiders are investigating. The NFL is kind of investigating just to find out what happened. It wasn't a disciplinary thing. They're just finding out what happened. So then we go into this period where nobody is talking to each other, and then it emerges about an issue concerning his helmet.
1: Right, because then it comes out. So everyone's thinking, oh, he's not talking to the Raiders because of his feet. No, it comes out, he's not talking to the Raiders because it's of his helmet. Now, they're a little behind inside football, if you will. Uh, the NFL has a policy of not allowing wear players to wear helmets that are not certified by the National Operating Committee for Standards and Athletic Equipment. Now the helmet uh, Brown was believed to have been wearing since the first year in his first year of his NFL career was the shut. Air Advantage helmet, which uh, has been discontinued in making. So you know, I presume that he didn't wear the same helmet from his first year to his current year. He probably got a new one every year or so. But be that as it may, he cannot get a hold of that helmet anymore because it's like if you go to a, a department store and your favorite pair of Levi's aren't there anymore because you know Levi's just stopped making them. So you've got that going on, and then it's no longer certified by this committee. And and the NFL has, like I said, has a policy of not allowing players to wear that helmet. And, and Antonio's big. and and other players have voiced this same beef is they don't really like the helmet. And Antonio's uh, argument with it was his vision wasn't his vision wasn't as good and it made it a little more difficult to catch passes. Coach, you have some thoughts on this.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just it's I understand the equipment aspect of it because when you get settled into something and you have, you know, that familiarity and, and, you know, comfortability with, you know, an equipment piece, you want to have it, you know, coming from the fact, you know, that I played lacrosse my entire life, you know, you get used to a certain stick, and then all of a sudden the stick change rule comes in, and then you got to change everything that you knew about the game because that piece of equipment you're so used to. Now, I mean, obviously I think the helmets that they have made today are – perfectly fine i mean i I haven't worn a football helmet since high school sure so i mean we wore the old 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 school riddles Mm -hmm. you know i mean and didn't have the revolutionary ones that came out you know the style two or whatever the i they're pretty sure they were called the revolutionary ones so i mean all i knew was the riddle helmets which i always thought were were perfectly fine but you know with all the things that they've done as far as player safety and you know the studies and everything obviously these helmets need to get fine-tuned and when they find out new things it's like you know you got to evolve with the times and, yeah. and you got to understand that your safety is what they're trying to take into effect even with what the players would probably say back that you know our safety is really a concern to the you know the nfl but ultimately it is you know it is on them to make sure that you are at least somewhat protected and that's why they make these helmet rules and uh, you know, I, I understand Antonio's feeling for wanting to be, you know, grandfathered in. But at the end of the day, you got to abide by the rules. You're not going to get away with it. If Tom Brady doesn't get away with it. Yeah. You ain't getting away with it. Yeah,
0: exactly. And at this stage, too, have you ever when you got your stick uh, you know, upgraded
2: and such? Have you ever threatened to retire? I mean, no, <laughs> I just buy a new stick. But, you know, yeah, I, I listen, the whole retirement thing, like. That was, I think, that's more so just the threat at the at yeah. the Raiders, yeah. you know, with the whole you know contract. Because again, with the foot injury now, because then here we go, we're circling back now because the foot injury was done out off site from what the Raiders have for their rehab and and you know that type of thing. So again, verbiage in the contract now they could void his contract and not have to pay him at all. So I think that tie of the. I'll retire if I don't get my helmet. It wasn't so much an NFL dig as it was the Raiders, you know, sending a shot across their bow, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. I mean, you like I'm with Duffy. I understand the, the helmet or the equipment aspect of it because you see this in baseball sometimes where you'll have a player who's maybe hitting okay or not so great and then they break their bat and instead of getting another one of their bats because they may not have another one of their bats, they borrow a bat of a teammate's, and then they go and hit a home run. Well, for the next however many at-bats until that bat breaks or they don't do well, they're borrowing their teammate's bat. You see this all the time. But at the same token, you know it's, it's like Coach said, they've made a lot of progress over the years in regards to player safety and the equipment they're wearing. The helmets are a lot better, especially the newer ones are a lot better at detecting when they had a concussion and protecting against concussions, and that is... The NFL's far and away biggest concern when it comes to player safety is okay. Yeah, we want to prevent injuries and we want to prevent this, that, and the other. But we want to stop concussions. Like you may not stop all concussions, but we want to get to a point where we're preventing more than we're letting happen. And the technology that they had for helmets, you know, ten plus years ago, is is nowhere near what it is now.
0: Right. It's just an evolution of time. It's not to punish any player; it's to make the game safer. Because let's face it. American football is one of the most violent sports on the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to rank it up there with boxing and, and mixed martial arts to a degree. It's a different style, but it's still one of the most physical things you'll ever do.
1: There's a great video on YouTube where you can go out and find I forget. I don't know the gentleman's name, but there's a, there's a video of a rugby player watching some of the, the most violent hits in NFL history. And there's more than one occasion where rugby, you know, it's supposed to be tougher and, and harder hitting than the NFL. There's more than one instance where he sees a hit on an NFL field and he goes, "Oh my God, is that legal?"
2: Yeah, it's just one of those situations you're in. No, I mean literally. Uh, I mean, a perfect example is that's why the kickoff rule has changed yeah. Yeah. because you have players flying down the field at 15 to 20 miles per hour yeah. unblocked, running into a guy who is either you know running at or at a five to 10 miles per hour because he's got to catch the ball and then you know set up to run. I mean, that's why these rules have changed. So. And and punt returns, that's why they have the fair catch rule where you're not allowed to touch them because, I mean, these people could literally be decapitated on some of these hits.
1: Right. So, I mean, you move on, you you got the hell helmet issue going on, and he wants to wear his old helmet. He doesn't want to wear the new helmet. And on Friday, he had a two-hour conference call with an independent arbitrator, uh, according to ESPN, basically to argue why he should be allowed to wear his 10-year-old helmet. And I like what Coach said. If Brady ain't getting away with this, You ain't getting away with this. Uh, The arbitrator for the grievance uh, was joined by league officials, player representatives, and uh, representatives from the NFL Players Association in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And now... uh, here we go to, as we record on Monday, uh, the arbitrator has come out and it has he, uh, Antonio Brown has lost his uh, arbitration hearing, so he will be forced to wear the new helmet and uh, went to Instagram to make a post saying, quote, while I disagree with the arbitrator's decision, I'm working on getting back to full health and looking forward to rejoining my teammates on the field. I'm excited about this season. Appreciate all the concerns about my feet, close quote. So with all this being said, mm-hmm. what
0: now do you think lies ahead for AB and the Raiders? Do you think the drama is over, or are we just getting started?
1: I think what needs to happen is you because without having seen Hard Knocks or where they're at, and you know sources and the shafters of the world and and the Rappaports of the world are fine. I this is not a dig at them, but they, I think the Raiders and Antonio Brown, not with his agent don't bring in his whole camp just him and his agent with front office they need to just sit down and have a conversation not a, not a not dig at anybody not a rip anybody out just listen we need just need to hash this out we need to we need to smooth this out because this is not the way you want to start off your first year with a new team
2: I mean obviously from the way look of things of episode one of hard knocks it seems like they're okay as of right now you know the show obviously aired at training camp so or filmed at training camp and now we're viewing it at week one of preseason so you know three weeks ago versus today uh yeah i mean i think that they invested in antonio brown they had big plans for him being in their future i mean he's only a 30-ish you know year old wide receiver so i mean or in low 30s you know so i mean it's it's silly to think that they're not going to try and work this out i mean I don't know what paranoia crept in his head that he felt like they were going to void his contract. They, you, they, you don't trade for a receiver of his caliber and then ultimately say, "Oh, because of your, you know, silly, you know, move, we're going to void your contract." You know, I mean, they're not going to do that. So ultimately, yeah, I think that both parties need to sit down, uh, Mayock and, and Gruden and AB and his agent. You know they all need to sit in a room and, and figure out where they're going to go from here because ultimately at the end of the day when you trade draft picks to get a guy you want to have him yeah and I mean losing him would be a huge blow to the Raiders
1: moving forward and I, and I think a conversation with Derek Carr would help I mean you you saw the video when he got traded to Oakland and and the two of them met. Up, you know, and just how happy they were and how excited they were. Yeah, both
2: have flown. They uh, talked about it in the episode yeah. both have
1: flown to each other's houses to yeah. run
2: routes together. And I mean, yeah. that's the thing that really is is what's so crazy is from that episode alone. It, when you watch it, AB is running routes mm-hmm. like he's practicing. Yeah, you know, he's got a little glimmish, a little, you know, hiccup in his step there when he's running, but he's still explosive and he still looks yeah. good. Yeah. He could still do probably seven on seven drills and ghost. You know, offensive drills, he, I wouldn't run them on full team hitting drills, but, no. you know, at least getting them out there for timing for Derek Carr's sake. So it's really crazy to see that ultimately now it's gotten to this point. It's just one escalation. But that's, again, why I think Hard Knock, you know, why Hard Knock is so amazing because we're going to watch this unfold for yeah. the next three weeks.
0: Yeah. This is going to become one of those instances that teams are going to be using for examples down the road, I think, mm-hmm. because for Oakland to make the move to get Pittsburgh, and it was well documented about the drama that was involving him on in his last years with the Steelers. Oh yeah, so right. So for Oakland to make the move, I know it was a splashy move. They wanted to do something for their fan base after trading Amari Cooper away. Right. They needed to bring in somebody that was going to really reignite that offense.
1: Well, especially after trading Amari Cooper and Cleo Mack and watching them explode. I mean, just
0: the you know the disintegration of what they had built in oakland last season and now it's officially gruden's ship and he's writing it and they went out and they purposely got ab mm-hmm. drama involved we've now had two instances that this is either going to look like it's going to be the a, a complete disaster out in oakland that if he's going and he's you know, obviously got a foot injury with a fo- frostbite we don't know the full extent and then if he's threatening to retire about his helmet and And if you're calling the NFL's bluff, they will sit there every time and say, we're not blinking. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, you're never going to win
2: against them, period. You're
0: never going to. So what they need to do is get everybody in a room and hash it out and say, no more of this nonsense, or are we going to be able to work together? Because if this continues at this rate, and we've already had, what, two instances, three instances if you count the numbers? no communication mm-hmm. in a week?
2: I mean, the, 10 days? I think the biggest thing is not the feet, not the helmet. It's the fact that, you know, the reports were that he went AWOL. Yeah. That they couldn't get in contact with him because, as we've seen from the show, I mean, Oakland hosts their preseason, their first, I think, two weeks of training camp plus the first two preseason games at Napa. Yeah. Right. So you're up in a hotel, you know, and not necessarily isolated, but you're not in your. You know, you're not in your home. You're in a hotel and everything. So it's like they obviously know your whereabouts. I mean, Gruden himself does, I mean, or somebody's doing bed checks. So right. it's like they've got, you know, their fingers on you, basically. And for him to be able to go and disappear is crazy. It absolutely is mind-blowing
0: because your star player, and let's face it, I mean, he probably is the face of the Raiders right now. It disappears and nobody can find him. Right. I mean, obviously, whatever is entailing with that – as an organization, if the Raiders are going to have any kind of success this year, they need A.B. there, and they uh-huh. need him to be a team guy. It can't be about me, 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 because there's two teams right now that are sitting back and laughing and just eating their popcorn and watching Hard Knocks right now. Uh-huh. The Bills, because they didn't make the deal, and the Steelers, who are obviously right now looking to be in a renaissance with Juju Schuster-Smith. In whatever they're going to pull off this season with Ben, I mean the, the distractions are all gone for Pittsburgh.
1: I also argue any other team. and We don't know the full list. I would also argue any other teams that considered trading for Antonio Brown oh, and, sure. and, and either went eh, a little a little high for our ass, a little high for our tastes, or you know just decided against it.
0: Right. I mean the only one we know about is Buffalo because it was made right. public and AB was very vocal he didn't want to go there, which I think was very beneficial for the Bills because you want people that want to be in your city and with your team. And for A B to say, no, I wanna I don't want to be there, I'm going to Oakland and you know embrace Raider Nation, great. But if this is your first impression out the gate, this is not a good look by any stretch of the imagination. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts on the Antonio Brown situation? Do you think the drama stops now or are we just getting started? Hit us up, let us know. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: It's a
0: Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH, and we gotta talk some more football. Mm-hmm. The drama is not just staying in Oakland with the Raiders and AB. <laughs> no, no, no. We gotta talk a little money drama. Yeah, a little bit. And there's a couple players around the league that are now having contract issues out of the mm-hmm. blue. So, Pad, do you
1: want to start us off? Well, so probably the biggest one and probably the most jaw-dropping one has got to be one of the two out of uh, Dallas and the Cowboys where uh, Dak Prescott is looking to get a contract extension off of his rookie contract and uh, was reportedly offered a deal in the neighborhood of $30 million per year. Per year. Per year. Making him one of the top five highest-paid quarterbacks. Yeah, and he turned it down. Uh, He reportedly wants $40 million annually.
0: I'm going to defer this to the Giants fan in the room, and I want his opinion on this. You see Dak more than anybody oh, here.
1: So let's say, hold on, let me get my popcorn. Yep.
2: Well, I mean, I'm simply just going to say this. What have you done? Uh-huh. It, what have you done? I think the Cowboys have won one division title with you as a starting quarterback, if that. If that. I mean, and if not, then you've only made the wild card once. Mm. You've only been to the playoffs once. You haven't won a playoff game. And now you're sitting here trying to say... That you want to be one of the fifth highest-paid quarterbacks in, or one of the top five highest-paid quarterbacks in all of the NFL? That's
1: crazy. I'll say, so I've got his stats here for those who are just curious and might not, might not be Cowboys fans and have that off the top of their head. Uh, he is, of course, a two-time Pro Bowler and uh, the 2016 AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, in 2018, he w- went 10 and 6 with a completion percentage of 67.7%, threw for 3,885 yards with 22 touchdowns to eight interceptions. At, for a career, he has played 48 games, uh, has a record of 32 and 16, a completion percentage of 66.1%, uh, 10,876 yards, and then 67 touchdowns to 25 interceptions
0: okay, this does not scream $40 million a year no, to me. No, I mean, nope.
2: that, this is the thing that's killing me with this is I'm all for players getting paid, but you have to have, like, if the if you're going to get paid by a team, there has to be some sort of, like, fair agreement on what you think that you deserve versus what you get, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's economics, you know? Like, there you only have so much value... And you need to realize that and self-value and and understand what you're worth. Le'Veon Bell is a perennial game-changing running back who has led the Steelers and the NFL, both in rushing and touchdowns, and deserved that payment. You know, like he deserved to get paid. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the running back position now is at a place where You know, running back by committee and Pittsburgh, you know, didn't agree with what he was valued at. So Mm -hmm. you leave. Dak Prescott is vastly overvaluing himself for what he's done as far as a performance. That's why the NFL went in and changed these uh, contracts with rookies. Remember,
1: I mean, 10 years ago number 1 picks were getting paid more than what Tom Brady would have been making well, this year. Yeah, Sam Bradford is the one I can remember most clearly, you know, it was a, however many years, but it was like a signing bonus of like 50 million. And it was, oh, a, it was a huge holdout. It was it was, yeah, it was a rookie deal, and that's a why deal they came out having played a game.
2: And they had to change it because what did Sam Bradford do to deserve that? Nothing. Yeah. So, I understand that the rookie contracts are changed and, you know, Dak wants to make his money and again, I'm all for it, but you have to understand what you are worth. And
1: $40 million is not that, sir. I'll say just for comparison's sake, uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, recently, in, within the last year or so, signed a four-year $134 million contract. That is an average salary of $33.5 million a year. See, this is what I don't get.
2: And Pat, this is where I'm going to show respect to Tom Brady here. He understands the fact that there is a salary cap in the NFL. And I understand that he is married to a very beautiful, very successful model. Mm-hmm who probably brings in oogle amounts of money that he doesn't need to necessarily worry about his contracts. But
1: let's be real here, okay? He doesn't get paid at the level for which he should. And the wild thing is is that recent contract extension, if I read it right, yeah, it was an extension. He's going to get his money. But if I read right, it voids after the year. So he's still going to be a free agent. And let's realize and understand why he does that. Because he knows
2: that if he gets paid to the level that he should probably get paid, they then New England else. wouldn't have anybody else. No. So they wouldn't be as successful. And this is the thing that I don't understand. When you are up against it in uh, team and sports that have salary caps and hard caps yeah. and luxury taxes and all those things, at the end of the day, if you want to be a successful and, and talented and winner, you need to sacrifice in some avenue, and your
1: income is it and especially when you play for a team like the Dallas Cowboys who say what you will about the t- the other teams in the division there you have their ups they have their downs consistently year in and year out it is one of the toughest divisions in the National Football League where you need your your players on offense and defense that can help make plays. Dak Prescott, while he is a very serviceable quarterback, he has yet for me to prove he is worthy of forty million dollars a year. Cannot do it all. And if you're taking up a chunk of the salary cap just because you feel you deserve that money, you need you know you need that Brinks truck to back up. You know how can you 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 help your team win if you're taking up whatever percentage of the salary cap? I mean, Peyton realized that
2: in his later years in in, yeah. in Indiana or Indianapolis. He realized that. He was one of the highest paid for years. Yeah. And then, you know, what? They, every year, first round, AFC Championship game, out by New England, out mm-hmm. by New England, every year. And then finally he realized that. He takes a reduction in salary. They go out and get the defensive players that they never had yeah. when, you know, they were at their peak with Tony Dungy. And what do they do? Yeah. The next year, go and win the Super Bowl. You had to bring that up. I it's just it I understand wanting to get paid. I just don't understand when yeah. you want to get paid, you have to sacrifice in another end. So, what are you mostly looking to do?
1: I mean, look at it from this aspect too. You have the Carmelo Anthony interview he had a couple weeks ago on First Take, where he, you know, Stephen A. Smith brought up the prospect of he could have played for, with uh, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade down in Miami, but he took the money, right? Where, and where is he sitting now? You know, on the outside looking in of the NBA. Now I realize this might be apples to oranges, but you know, There's a situation where you could have helped yourself and gotten some teammates and played in a good system and won, but you took the money.
0: Well, this is where the NFL, I think, runs their business right to a degree because they have the hardest salary cap oh, right? yeah. that creates parity throughout the league. And I think the smarter teams like the Patriots, I hate saying this as a Bills fan, but I'll give the devil's. I it's due. the truth. It's the truth. Brady is smart enough to know: take less money, we can get more players in here, we can make more deeper runs in the playoffs. Uh-huh.
2: He sees the bigger picture. Yeah, I mean that's what's going on with the Giants right now: is Eli is making you know one third of the salary of right. uh, the cap. And I understand about players getting paid. I'm not
0: mad about that. Right. And especially if you were willing to put your body on the line sure. in a game sure. like football, sure, get as much guaranteed money as you can. And know what I said, guaranteed, because right. contracts are very disposable. Let's oh, be honest. The NFL And fine. see, that's
2: the other thing where the NFL is very business-oriented. Because you get cut, you get cut. Yeah, there's no gray area there. It's it's done. There's no your contract like in the NBA is fully paid up until the end of
0: its t- term. And I know that the NFL got very smart about their rookie deals because as we talk about Bradford and I know uh, Matthew Stafford got yeah. the $50 million guaranteed, yep. not even taking a snap in the league. Right. And that's their signing bonus. And I know the NFL finally cracked down on that because it made sense. Mm-hmm. But this is a situation for Prescott. Sure, you came in at a right time in your first season that you took over as starter. Right Mid-season, right. you took over. You lit it up. Congratulations.
2: Last season, was it consistent like that? No. No. They no. Were, I mean, I'll, I can specifically remember that Carolina game. When mm-hmm. He had all the chances in the world to drive them in for a touchdown. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you yep. couldn't can, can punch it Fall, in. It fell short.
0: So my question then becomes, where are you getting the $40 million idea from?
1: Uh, man, I don't know. I, the only thing I can think of is he's kind of looking at – It's his own – like Coach said, it's his own evaluation of his ability and his skill level in his head And, and maybe some outside friends telling him how great he is and how awesome he is and he's the best quarterback in the league. A combination of that and then just kind of looking around at kind of like how you saw in baseball in the offseason where Bryce Harper got his massive contract and then a week later Mike Trout blew it out of the water because hey there's my benchmark I need to hit you know maybe that's what it is but in terms with the NFL
2: I mean it's negotiating he's overvaluing and overselling himself to eventually get something more like probably what he really wants which is 35
0: yeah he'll probably right. wind up with 35 but This will also lead into another issue the Cowboys are having. Mm -hmm. Because if you dump all that money into Prescott. Yep then what do you have for your other holdout right now? Mm -hmm. I was just
2: going to say, he forgets what's behind him
0: when he lines up. Who, in my opinion, is more valuable to that team at this same time,
1: and that is Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I will say this. If Ezekiel Elliott is not on that team, Dak Prescott does not nearly look as good as he does. Exactly.
2: I say, so really what helped him that rookie year was Zeke Zeke Mm -hmm. and Jason Wynn. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Those 1 and 1A were the reasons why he was able to be successful as a rookie because no better best friend – than having a great tight end and a great running back as a rookie quarterback.
1: It's always a good thing when your uh, running back averages 5.1 yards a carry. Oh, a rookie yeah, year.
2: and your tight end can receive about 10 catches a game. Yeah. Uh-huh. And,
1: and Witten coming
0: back to the team at this stage I, I don't think is even a factor right no, now. No, not at all. But for Elliott to sit out, and he is in the midst of a contract holdout because he wants yeah. to restructure his
2: deal. And right. a lot of issues off the field, too. Right.
1: I mean, back on April 17th of this year, the Cowboys picked up the fifth-year option on Ezekiel Elliott's uh, current contract, which is a rookie contract, four years, $24.9 million, and he's looking for a contract. But it's like you said, Ken, if you sink, you know, let's just use because this is the, you know, Coach mentioned it, you know, if the Dallas Cowboys end up sinking a third of the salary cap into uh, Dak Prescott, what does that leave for Zeke? Not and the, much.
0: And no, uh, that's the problem they have, and they can't do it because – Prescott is a good quarterback. He's yeah. good. I mean, he's not Daniel Jones' good coach, but he's good. Wow. Not many Here are. things are. Not many are. But in all seriousness, though, that team runs and lives and dies by Ezekiel Elliott because he has arguably the best offensive
2: line. Right. I was, in, I, I was just going to say, that offensive line is very good. Right. If you put that offensive line in Green Bay, let's say, hypothetically, mm. and give Aaron Rodgers that much protection – If you give that offensive line to the Giants when they were still, you know, rolling, you know, before the offensive line disintegrated, you know, you might be talking about a couple more Super Bowls in New York. Exactly. They have the perfect line in place. Yeah. And Uh, they were smart about building that up. And that's half the reason Ezekiel Elliott is successful. That's the other, yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing that needs to be sacrificed because their secondary is atrocious. Oh yeah, their and, defense is yeah, awful. Yeah, and well, they they got a good front 7. Front 7 is front okay. Front 7's okay, but that back half, the you know, their safeties and corners are awful yeah, you and the, can get scorched. You get the ball 25 yards downfield, you got them burnt. But who and why is that? Because they have so much invested in the off, the front 7 offensively and defensively that you know, when you pay these two, now where do you cut from? And you got to take away from the front 7s. And that's the situation that
0: Dallas has to look at. Because if I am Jerry Jones, there is no way I am paying Prescott forty million. 30 million is even a stretch There's for me. no
1: way I'm paying him 30. So here's the wild thing. Uh looking at spotrack.com, which I really I've said it before. I highly recommend them if you're ever curious about any sports contracts. Uh the top-paid NFL quarterback right now if according to average salary is Russell Wilson who averages $35 million a year. And that is a 4-year $140 million deal. So And you take him out of there. Yeah. And Seattle's toast. Oh god. Yeah. That's the
2: other difference too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You take Russell Wilson out of Seattle, and they're done. Yeah, so... Yeah. You take Prescott out of Dallas, but still have Zeke there? They're still a 8-8, eight and eight, yeah. maybe 10-6 yeah. team. Yeah.
1: Right, so you take, you you know, Dak to get $40 million a year. It's got to be north of four years, 140 a year. And then you flip to the running back side. Todd Gurley is currently the highest paid running back in the NFL with a four-year $57.5 million contract and an average salary of $14.375 million a year. Isn't that crazy? So, like, I, like I realize I'm no mathematician, but, like, I don't see how you can make both players happy with the numbers that they would be using as benchmarks?
2: The answer is you can't.
1: You yeah.
0: can't, and you have to make a choice. But there is also a factor that came up last season that I fear is going to haunt NFL teams this year. And I sp- I'm looking at exactly Ezekiel Elliott's situation mm-hmm. and out west with the formerly known as San Diego, but it's the L.A. Chargers yeah. and Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. Because Gordon is also trying to get his contract redone. On, he's on the last year, I believe, of his yeah. rookie deal. yeah. They have both seen what happens with Le'Veon Bell's deal Mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh. That he threatened, and he did, sit out the entire year. Lost some money. Lost some money, and even in the long term, made less money signing with the Jets
1: than he would have done staying in Pittsburgh. Right, signed a four-year, $52.5 million deal.
0: Right. So both of those players have seen that Le'Veon did get paid. Was it the amount that he was necessarily looking for? No, but... He, they could both sit out the entire year, if they so choose, and really put that pressure on the organization. Right. Which is just, I mean, it's crazy that it's gotten to this point. It is. It's just absolutely mind-blowing that it's gotten to this stage where you have players r- literally willing to sit out an entire year. Yeah, And the investment the team has put into you, they're not getting anything back for it. Right. Right. And in Pittsburgh's case, though, it worked in their favor because James Conner had an hey, amazing season. Let's go! Exactly. I think the whole drama between Bell and AB was the best thing that happened to Juju schuster Smith yeah. and James Conner because when they have
2: to renegotiate, the Steelers I think might be willing to do some work. And my fantasy team, Ken, that's don't true. forget
1: that because James Conner was huge. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that, Super Bowl, that my that's, that's the thing though: is, is Pittsburgh got very lucky with drafting James Conner, right? He, because if they don't draft James Conner they might not have had the year, kind of year they had. Well, here's the other thing. I mean, San Diego. Uh, San
2: Diego. Whoops. They're LA, Diego. yeah, I just want to roll it right off the tongue. They're San Diego. San uh, LA has a – they have a good backup running back, too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same thing with the Chargers, that if Melvin Gordon sits out, that's why they're like, do, go ahead. Yeah, L A. No rush. LA has no been rush. very public. Like, you want to sit out, sit out. But Dallas, on the other hand – Dallas it, can't afford to. They can't. No. They cannot because without Zeke – they have zero running game. I believe they re-signed Alfred Morris. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, no.
0: That's what I'm saying. Right. They cannot afford to do that because if they decide to give all the money to Prescott, which, in my opinion, insane, they have to find a way to pay Elliott and Prescott reasonably if they're going to restructure. Now, Jerry Jones has always been one that he's very player-friendly about getting players their money. T.O. is a prime example when he saw right. T.O. Oh, yeah. Because he was very adamant, and I know this was a press conference. He was like, is the money right? Is the money right? He made sure before there was any kind of holdout
2: after. So with Elliott, I think he's going to do the same thing. Right. Here's the catch-22, though, with the Le'Veon Bell situation because— what we also found out during that, and what we've probably what everybody's known for a long time, is uh-huh. in the NFL, running backs are disposable. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. they are yeah. just as good. I mean, they're Here just the as they good as tomorrow. long as they can run. Exactly. So, I mean, in a situation where, I mean, as a Giants fan, you know, you're looking at Saquon Barkley as the second coming of Barry Sanders, right? You know, what do they do as far as evaluation for that position for him? Because right now, he is the offense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: so in Melvin Gordon's case obviously they have a guy behind him who could play and arguably play at the same level that Melvin as Melvin was at whatever deal so it's like the, it's it's such an interesting dynamic because here we are talking about the importance that Zeke has for his team Todd Gurley you take him out of the Rams are they as good as they were last year arguably i'd say no
1: debatable Yeah,
2: you know, and you move Saquon out of New York. You know, are they going to be as good? And I know his contract's not up. I'm just saying, move Le'Veon Bell out of Pittsburgh, though, and they were okay because of James Conner. So it's like, what what level does of importance does the running back really have? And I think really it's just a case by case instance, because not every team has a Zeke, a Le'Veon, a Melvin Gordon. But at the same time, they have running backs who are arguably okay enough to handle the load. It's just by committee. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those situations that
0: going into the season, Dallas has got more pressure on them than I think the Chargers do. Yeah. The Chargers could sit Melvin Gordon if they want to. They still have Phillip Rivers. They still have a very high-octane offense. Yeah, To play mildly. So that being said, Case, for Dallas, the pressure is on them. And who do you appease more, Prescott or Elliott? And in this situation, they have a lot of holes they need to address on that team. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to throw all your money in on one player or two in this situation, this is just a detrimental thing to do. But they have seen that with Le'Veon Bell, it could work out in their favor to sit out. Yeah. but. Will the grass be greener on another team? <laughs>
2: the, and, yeah, that's the other thing, is Le'Veon any better off than he was in Pittsburgh now that he's with the Jets?
0: No, in fact, I think he's in a worse situation. Yeah. And I'm not saying this as a Bills fan. I'm saying you are still dealing with a, let's face it, a still rookie quarterback in Darnold. Yeah, Right. right. You have a less talented offensive line. A less talented wide receiver quarter so to help get you the,
1: open. The sophomore slump is a thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So are you going to be able to bounce back and have your huge numbers that you did? I still think he's going to produce. And, in fact, I think he's going to have a nice chip on his shoulder because he's going to want to shut up a lot of people.
2: Well, and what they're paying, they're going to get him 20 to 40. I mean, oh, the, yeah. I mean 30 to 40 touches a game. He will get uh-huh. the
0: workhorse load yeah. of any player on that team. Mm-hmm. But going in with that being said, for Elliott and Gordon, okay, there's pluses and minuses for this. Are you going to get paid? Sure. Is it going to be the amount that you're expecting? Probably not. But you have to come back to what is going to make you successful. The team is built for Elliott more than Prescott. Sure. Absolutely. So Elliot would be foolish to try leaving and pressing he wants to trade or sit out the year. Because Dallas, albeit, they would be hurt at the running back position. Oh, yeah. their, their running back core is not great. And unless they make us blockbuster move for somebody and
2: it's not that alfred morris isn't a good running back he's just too injury prone
0: yeah that's the thing it's a problem he's
2: not durable yeah
0: and it's just it is facts right so that being said dallas has to make a call and they have to make the toughest call this side of oakland to deal with (laughs) drama on their team right
2: yeah it's just again i just go back to it's just such a weird just the nfl is such a finkel thing because here we are talking about the importance of quarterbacks and 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 versus the importance of running backs and yeah, quarterbacks are huge, and it's a passing league, but like at the same time, the teams that were successful all ran the ball. Yeah. So you have to have a running back.
0: You have to have somewhat of a running game. Yeah, I think you the, have to. I think even the Patriots, who throw more than anything,
1: they do more check down passes, though. Yeah. Exactly, oh, yeah. and,
2: it, and it's the running backs that are the reason why they're able to
1: get open. They, you ha- know? they also haven't had a steady running back since Lawrence Maroney back in the day. I was even going to say Corey Dillon. Cory yeah, Corey Dillon. A- but
2: but again, though, they but the problem is is that they are so efficient at getting the ball out early yeah. Yeah. that it sets up the long passes. So it's that you know back to the original West Coast offense days mm-hmm. where it was get the ball, get the ball, get the ball, then throw something deep. That the, these other teams though don't have that efficiency because they just don't have the the quarterback that Tom Brady is with the right. ability to get right. and the route running yeah. that the Patriots have. Because let's not just it's not just all Tom Brady. Those guys run routes better than probably anybody in the NFL. Uh-huh. Well,
0: so, the, the Patriots'
2: way works. Right, exactly. I mean, that's all you can really say but about you, that. But you'll see that in Cleveland this year with those guys out there. They're going to have the ability to run routes that are going to be able to get open, that Baker Mayfield's going to be efficient, that whether or not they had a running game is going to be secondary to the fact that they're going to be able to throw slants at an efficient rate.
0: And you're not hearing anybody cry about money out in Cleveland. No. Not at all. No. Not
2: at, well, you're, you're hearing about crying time, playing time.
0: You're hearing about playing time, but that's <laughs> a different story. Right. right. But if they're taking a look at contracts and how it works, they should take a page out of the Patriots book. As
2: much as I hate to say it, but Brady has given the blueprint. The problem is, though, is that teen, got, young guys don't see it that way because they haven't gotten paid. Because let's face it, Tom Brady had years of getting paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that you can't forget that. You know, this is later stages of his career – plus a marriage later that he's starting to understand and realize that his income is not
1: necessarily the most important thing. It's an interesting slope to walk, and that's where Dallas is really going to have to pull the trigger. And, and we're really not going to have to wait long to see if anything changes because the current collective bargaining agreement is set to expire after the 2020 season.
0: So get ready because, as they say in Dallas, <laughs> get your popcorn out. ready.
2: Just don't, please, no strike, NFL. Just whatever you do, don't do that.
0: No, they have to think short-term first, especially if you're in Dallas. Oh, Who do you God. take, Prescott or Elliott? And is this going to be what sinks your season? The money question is going to be up in the air, and we definitely want to interact with you about that. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What's your thoughts about the NFL holdouts? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Two,
2: three, four. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH, and we have to talk some UFC. Uh UFC 241 is taking place this weekend. Yep. Huge, huge, huge stacked fight card. They have a big shadow to get out of because last week's uh, fight night Valentina Shevchenko uh-huh. defeated Liz Karmuch. Mike Perry had the nastiest nose break I've ever seen in that fight, too. You know, I'm
1: looking at the photo, I couldn't tell it was broken.
0: Yeah, that fight night, I'm sorry, Mike Perry was in a battle, and if you've not seen the picture of that. Yeah, was ah. there something wrong with that? Oh, my God, the nose. A little, a little bad. Out of control. And in my opinion, he should have won that fight, too, by the way. Yeah, I know yeah. it a split decision, but I'm, yeah. I'm going to argue that. But Shevchenko looked amazing in her fight against Karmouche. Nothing yeah. against that. But we have the big fight card this weekend with UFC 241. Pad, let's
1: preview a little bit of it, shall we? Let's see. Yeah, we got the hosses coming out for this fight. Uh, of note, a uh, couple of fights to, to take a look at here that are kind of jumping out to us. Uh, in the middleweight division, you've got Yoel Romero versus Paulo Costa. So that should be one an interesting one to look at. But the two we're going to look at, the big ones we're going to look at, uh, at the welterweight division, your co-main event, Anthony Showtime. Pets Showtime. Versus one, Nate Stockton-Diaz. Nate has returned to the UFC. War Stockton. This is oh. going to be a fun fight. This is when you legitimately, like we say often, oh, don't blink. You don't want to miss the thing. Not for any knockouts, but just for the antics that are going to go on in the re- octagon.
0: There is years of bad blood between Pettis and Diaz, so this is not going to be a friendly fight by any means. No. Nate, we haven't seen lately. No. He has been gone since I believe the last time was the Conor McGregor fight. He's oh, been I'll talking. Lock it up. He's, he's been, been talking. <laughs> he's been talking a lot. Like he's been saying socially active and I know that he has been kind of lurking in the shadows waiting to come back at the right time.
1: His last fight was as you mentioned against Conor McGregor back at UFC 202 on August 20th of 2016.
0: Right, so he has definitely not been in the cage, but he has been staying active. The one thing you never doubt is the Diaz brothers are ready to fight at a given moment. Uh, Anywhere. Nick or Nate, whoever decides to step up for a car, will literally fight. Literally ready for a fight. Doesn't
1: even have to be in an octagon.
0: No, it does not. And Nate has really risen his stock ever since the Conor McGregor saga. I know they really want a trilogy fight between those two. I personally don't want to see one no i I just don't have any interest in it
1: to me they're like moments in time where like you know it was a fun time with the uFC and I'm not saying that now isn't a fun time in uFC but it it's one of those things like, oh, it was fun back then but now I don't really want to see it again
0: no, this one definitely like I don't know Connor fighting at one seventy just didn't do anything he gassed out in the second round I mean that's how he lost, and he did win the second one i didn't think i mean I thought it was a good fight, but I know a lot of people have in, like their you know all time fights. Right, You know, the top of it. I'm just like, I, not for me. I, I'm sorry. I just can't get into it. And then on the flip side, you have Pettis, who has been fighting at featherweight. He's been the former light heavy, lightweight champion and now is stepping up at the welterweight division and going off his last couple fights, Pat.
1: Yeah, uh, his last fight was against Stephen Thompson. Back in March, where he knocked out Steven Thompson. Uh, before that, he lost to uh, Tony Ferguson in a corner stoppage back at uh, UFC 229 in uh, 2018. And uh, before that, he defeated Michael Chiesa with a triangle armbar back at UFC 226 in July of 2018.
0: Pettis will scrap. Pettis is arguably in there, my top three of all-time favorite fighters, uh-huh. with Michael Bisping and Carlos Condit. I make no joke about it. Pettis... Will step up at any weight class. He will throw. Yeah. The Ferguson fight, he was even looking good until he... I believe he broke his hands or he got busted off. He got really messed yeah. up in that one. I honestly forget at this time I'm recording. Either way, he looked great against Stephen Thompson, which mm-hmm. is no easy task. No. Jumping up in 170 and winning how he did. Now we finally have the strike fest that we have been waiting for for years. Mm-hmm. My only th- wish is nobody gets hurt between now and then. Yes. Or bails out of the
2: fight. Yes. So, Coach... You have any any pick in this fight? Uh, I'm going to lean Pettis just because I'm not a Diaz fan. Okay, fair enough. I mean, that's it, and that's the only reason. <laughs> All right. Fair I enough. mean, it's it literally. I mean, when you talk about fist flying, anybody can catch anybody, mm-hmm. and you know that these
1: guys are going to slug out. So it's just one. Who, Who's gonna land the shot first? Right, and I'm just hoping that it's Pettis. Yeah, Pad. I'm gonna go with Anthony Pettis, and this isn't a slight against Diaz. I like Diaz. He's a funny guy. I, you know, I enjoy the trash talking and the antics that come with, you know, Nate Diaz promoting a fight. But you know, Octagon rust is a very real thing. You can tra- and it's like I've said before, and I'll say it again. You know, you can train and spar until you know it's from sun up till sundown. You know, every day of the week for 365 days a year. That doesn't come anywhere close to an actual fight. And it like I said, it's been three years almost it'll be uh, three days shy of being three years to the day of his last fight in the UFC. You know and in that time, Showtime has been active. he's been fighting and he's you know, no time off, no breaks, you know, everything going on. So you know, unless Nate does something wild and just catches Showtime, I, I I don't see Showtime losing.
0: Now this fight's gonna be at 170, correct? Yeah. Diaz, lot of talk, lot of questions of where he's gonna be after this fight. Mm-hmm. The one thing you know is even with Octagon Rust, he will still scrap because that whole camp that he trains with is ready to drop at a given moment. Uh huh. Pettis coming off some good wins against Chiesa and Thompson. I mean, obviously the Ferguson fight did not go his way, but no. nothing to sneeze at by any means because Tony Ferguson, you can argue, should be in a lightweight title bout at any any moment in time, hopefully. That being said, I i am rooting for Pettis. I, I really am. I just have a feeling if Nate's coming in there with a chip on his shoulder, he's going to give Pettis a very difficult time with that Stockton jab. And I see this one being a decision fight, but both fighters are gonna throw it. I'm gonna say split decision, and I fear if it goes split decision, mm-hmm. War Stockton, Nate Diaz is coming away with it. Okay. I am rooting for Pettis though. So Showtime. I want to make that very clear. But I think that both these guys are so elite strikers that this is gonna be one of those wild brawls that you never know what a judge is gonna pick here. Right. And as we've seen with I mean recently with Mike Perry in that fight. You never know when it goes to a judge's decision what you're going to get, and
1: we've been saying it for how many years, both on the show and you know before we started the show. Don't leave it up to the judges. No, you can't. You
0: can't. But I fear it's going to go there. I really do because I think both these guys fight at such an elite level. Mm-hmm. Like I said, rooting for Pettis, but picking Diaz if yeah. it goes to split.
1: Yeah, and then moving to our main event, the one you're you know you're paying your money to see in the heavyweight division, you got Daniel Cormier, the heavyweight champion, defending against former. UFC heavyweight champion, Stipe Miocic. Coach, you have any feelings on this? I mean, I'm just, I don't like Comier.
2: So, I'm <laughs> period. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, John Jones, I, you know, I'm a John Jones camp guy. Uh, not a 607 homer guy, just a John Jones supporter, all right? Uh, so, at the end of the day, I'm going to go Miocic, but... I obviously DC can easily win this fight. I mean, he's the talent that he has is, and especially when he fights heavyweight, is of an elite level. That you have, I I I want to give him the edge, but you know, same with the pettis Diaz thing. I'm going to go with the guy who I actually want to cheer for.
1: Yeah, Pad? This is real tough because I mean, you look at these guys' recent records, and it's a woof. It's it's hard to pick because you you look at. Uh, Daniel Cormier's record Outside of the the no contest Against John Jones at UFC 214 He defeated Anthony Johnson He defeated Alexander Gustafson He defeated Anderson Silva Uh, Anthony Johnson again Uh, He defeated Volkan He defeated Stipe Miocic And Derek Lewis You flip to the other side and you've got Stipe Miocic Who lost his last uh, match against Daniel Cormier When he lost the belt at UFC 226 Back in 2018 Before that he defeated Francis Ngannou Junior Dos Santos, Alistair Overeem, Fabricio Verdum, Andre Arlovski, and Mark Hunt. Like, this is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a couple kids. Pick your favorite kid. This is a very difficult fight to do, but who are you picking? I'm. You know what? I'm going to say Daniel Cormier just because, you know, I would like to see Miocic win, and if Miocic can, I think if he can keep it off the, off the ground, Miocic has got a real good shot of winning, but just Cormier's pedigree in wrestling is just nigh unbeatable.
0: In the first fight, Miosic was winning until he got into a dirty boxing match with Cormier. And mm-hmm. Cormier hit him with an with an uppercut that he never recovered from. Uh-huh. In this rematch, this is going to be a legacy fight for a couple different reasons. Sure. Daniel Cormier is seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. He's mm-hmm. he's made no Bones about it, he's only got a couple more fights left.
1: I was saying he recently, uh, I believe, it was on the Ariel Hawani podcast, said that like he really doesn't need another John Jones fight because before he needed the John Jones fights because oh, I need the money, I need, the, I need this, I need that. But now he's got the the details show with ESPN Plus, and he does ring, he does commentary with ESPN for commentary. There's you know his rumored involvement potentially going over to WWE and doing commentary with WWE. Like you know this, this like you said, it's very much a legacy fight because this very well could be the last fight we see him in.
0: Very, very good point, Pat. And for me, I see this as Miocic has been screaming for an immediate rematch. And when we talk about fighters that lose belts, Mm -hmm. a lot of them scream for immediate rematches. And some get them that, you know, you could argue maybe don't deserve them right away. Sure, Miocic has the longest defense streak at UFC heavyweight for being champion. Uh Uh-huh. So how he has not gotten an immediate rematch is kind of a little puzzling to me. Right. But I
1: digress. Let's say he beat the stigma of like heavyweights in the UFC don't defend their belts more than X amount of times before getting knocked out.
0: Yeah. And like I said, he was winning that fight, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. He just got caught up in a clinch and ate a dirty uppercut. Yeah. And I mean, dirty not in a cheating method. It's just dirty boxing. That's all that was going on there. So this fight, I think Miosic is going to upset Everything okay? I am going with Miosic. If if that happens, I won't be upset about it by any means. I'm not gonna be upset about it, like because the one thing I fear with Cormier winning is nothing against Cormier. Right? Cormier has carved out his own legacy. Yeah. Right. But the immediate thing that's going to happen after this fight, okay, is
2: going to be so you gonna fight John Jones? You gonna fight John Jones? Yeah. But I think winner. I think I think him losing. More so lends that fight to Jon Jones yeah. than
1: him winning. The other thing too, though, is as long as one or both fighters are still active in the UFC and f- still fighting, that question will never stop hounding the two of them.
0: But but at this stage, it it should stop.
1: I mean, Jones. Oh, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I know, I, I know, no. But I'm saying, Jones has won both fights. Is there really a necessary need for a trilogy fight? No, not at all. No. I mean,
2: not in the. I I would think. In more of like the hardcore fan, like uh, you know, you and Pat are. I know I'm a little more of the out outskirts. I don't personally want a third fight, but you know that the the lesser fans that just want the name fights, they're clamoring for this.
1: When they made a rematch against Alexander Gustafsson and Jon Jones, that one to me made sense, and I that made a lot of sense. We both agreed on this. That was the first person to really give Jon a test, and and for a while it looked like Alexander Gustafsson was going to win that fight until well, he didn't. You know, in both instances against John Jones, Daniel Cormier was losing that fight.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, there's no point in it uh, doing a rematch at light heavyweight. Now, if Jones wants to vacate and move up to heavyweight, okay. But Cormier needs to be the champion for that. Yeah. And and I think Miosic, though, if he wins, I think that Francis Ngannou has to be a name on the radar, too, and yeah. they have to have a rematch. Yeah. Because Ngannou has looked impressive since the whole Derek Lewis. We don't need to talk about that fight. Yeah. So, I like I say, for Miosic, though, I think he's got more to prove because everybody is looking at Cormier, and rightfully so. First champ champ in a long time. Mm-hmm. He's really kind of established that. For Cormier, like I said, this is a legacy fight. If he can defeat Miosic again... There really isn't anything left there for him to do at heavyweight, and he can ride off in the sunset and do whatever he wants.
1: You bring up the Francis and thing, and I didn't realize this, and I flat out forgot about it. Holy crap! His last three fights knocked out Junior Dos Santos, knocked out Cain Velasquez, and knocked out Curtis Blades all in the first round.
0: Yeah. Holy crap! He came back from from that embarrassing Derek Lewis fight. Yeah. Which I don't I don't ever recommend anybody watching. I'm going to tell you, skip it. That's how bad it was, in my opinion. But in has been on a tear. And where he goes from here, like he's got to be waiting in the wings to see mm-hmm. what happens. I don't know if DC wants that fight. Not saying that he would not fight him, you know. Like, of, I don't want to fight him, right? But I think after this, it's like, what else is there?
2: I think the ne- the next thing on his plate is whatever can draw the most money. Yeah. Because I think that's that's the 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 closing of the door. Yeah. You know,
0: basic yeah. fight. You know. Because Brock Lesnar ain't walking in that door, so. Nope if he doesn't want to go anymore he's got he's got every right to leave in the sunset and i don't i don't struggle with that his legacy is carved he's one of the
2: greatest heavyweights of all time in mma mm-hmm. and even his run at light heavyweight is astonishing too you know and i know brock signed that big deal that exclusive deal with wwe but i mean him losing the title again that makes me kind of curious it does but he's out of the usada pool Right, so he right. well back he'd in. have to get back in, which he's done before. Right, this right. isn't something that he has not done before. Right, yeah. but to get that fight going, I don't know if Cormier is going to want to wait that long. No, because be, be it be how, least, how long do you have to wait in USADA?
1: It'd be at least a year, I think. Okay, so it's something yeah. like
0: that. So that being said, I mean, there's only a couple big fights that maybe would appeal to Cormier if he wins, but like I said, I'm taking Miosic in this, yeah. and then I think you're going to have to do Miosic and Ngannou too. Yeah, I, I think that fight has to happen again. I'm all for that. So we'll have to wait and see what happens Saturday because it's going to be going live on pay-per-view wherever you watch the UFC, UFC 241. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your predictions for the fight? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out Robocon.org. Coming back for the final segment in this edition of the ODPH pad. You got that local minute?
1: Yeah, local minute. Of course, we're talking Binghamton Rumble Ponies news. Uh, looking at their games from last week, uh, they lost their series against uh, Harrisburg uh, with uh, losing two games and winning one. Lost their series over the weekend against the Hartford Yard Goats, losing two games and winning one. Looking ahead to their games this week, uh, they've got a double header against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats on uh, this coming Tuesday. Uh, game times on bingrp.com they've also got two more games uh, against the new hampshire fisher cats following that and then this weekend they've got a three-game series against the hartford yard goats like i said more information bingrp.com i just
2: want to say they hosted a a nice little event for the the community at the uh at the stadium by having a a movie night okay Uh, yeah that's right they showed uh how to trainer dragon three okay Uh, it was a really nice evening you know they let us you know we got on the field got to watch it on the nice screen that they just put in this year nice nice little event kudos to you guys for doing that for the community big ups
1: i was saying i'm looking at the schedule here uh it looks like on their game on saturday against hartford they're having a woodstock 50th tribute night now i realize the woodstock 50th you know whatever you want to call that isn't happening this year so hey next best thing they're doing a
0: lot of events down at the stadium, so kudos to everybody at the Binghamton Rumble Ponies organization. They're doing some big things. Excite Wrestling is coming down there mm-hmm. September 1st, so more information on that event, Excite wrestling.com. More information on the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, BingRP.com. And a quick shout-out, because this is breaking as we're recording, the Binghamton Bulldogs are announcing they're having their – uh, kickoff party okay. for, the season, for the season happening Friday, August 23rd at Peterson's Tavern locally in the 607, 7 p.m. More information about that, check the Binghamton Bulldogs Facebook page. they got the whole thing up right now, so definitely check it out and shout out to everybody down at Binghamton Bulldogs yeah. because it's going to be Bulldogs season very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So as we're rounding the bases, we were going to address the Rich Paul rule mm-hmm. and what was going on there, but as we were recording, it was just amended, right? which is the right move to do. And now leaves us with nothing to talk about. It leaves us with nothing to do, but we had so much feedback about the wrestling recap show we did last week. We uh-huh. figured we're going to kind of segue that in for our round in the bases, shall we? Sure. So,
2: NXT TakeOver was Saturday. Yeah. Thoughts around the panel from that? Starting with the coach? Great show. I mean, just like they always do. They put uh-huh. on great matches. Hell of a night. Kudos to those guys. I can't... I mean... Listen, I, G- whatever happens with Gargano in the future, that man really carried the NXT banner in a way that probably hasn't been done in a long time because, no. I mean, he wasn't necessarily the champion for much of this time in NXT, so even for him to carry the banner without being the champion just goes to show the character that he has. Yeah. And, and big ups, to. I really hope that they don't do drop the ball with him moving up. And if he goes to 205, I'm perfectly okay with that too.
1: Yeah, no, it was a great card, like you said. You know, favorite match for me probably has to be either be the triple threat for the North American title uh, between Roderick Strong, Velveteen Dream, and Pete Dunne because holy crap, that was hard hitting. Or you're, you're the main event for the NXT Championship and the three stages of hell match between Gargano and Cole, just because that to me was just perfect storytelling. Where it, it's you know it's you you learn about it in grade school and English class. You know the beginning, middle, middle, and end of a story. And that just to me felt like you know a great way to tell a story inside a wrestling match.
0: Pat and I were actually down at Dragon Master Games watching doing the three fat nerds watch Party. So shout out to everybody yeah. there. You know, definitely check them out on our webpage. Hashtag 607 podcast. You can find the links to their podcast. It's definitely worth checking out. They do a wrestling show each week. We were all down there watching. It was a great night. And I mean, what can else can you say about Gargano and Adam Cole? Ow. Amazing match. Gargano is getting the call up, whether he stays on Raw or he goes to two oh five live he really set the bar high for what NXT is. I mean, if you want to talk about somebody that is, dare I say, Mr. NXT, Yeah. he came in there and really came out of nowhere and just look at the body of work he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else yeah. can you say? The benchmark has been set, and whether they're going to TV or not, which is the heavy rumor now, <sighs> have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean,
2: whatever happens with Fox is going to be crazy if they put that up on Wednesday nights.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to watch moving forward, so stay tuned for that. And then SummerSlam was the next night. Yeah. Thoughts on that, Coach?
2: I mean it was what it was you know I mean that's exactly what we talked about on the show you know it was going to be another night after NXT with a great tremendous takeover that was going to lead into a not so stellar card and product put on by the main roster and I mean yes Seth and Brock put on a great match and there was moments throughout that were great. But you know, Bill Goldberg is Bill
1: Goldberg, and that Dolph <sighs> match was what it was. And... Listen, listen, Dolph Ziggler lasted longer against Bill Goldberg than Brock Lesnar did. Let that sink in.
2: Yeah, I mean, and you know, another uh, I I don't want to talk low lights because it's easy. Again, like I said last time, to smash on you know the main roster, but you know the Fiend is here. <laughs> oh my and, god! And it was nuts. I mean, I you can't even I can't even put into words the. The, watching the entrance, the match, the whole yeah. nine, what that was, what that experience was like. I couldn't even imagine what that was like for the live crowd.
1: I mean, it, it just goes to show that if you go back and watch the, the clip of Bray coming out as the Fiend for the first time, and, and they cut to the shot of Finn Balor and his reaction, uh, his reaction was the epitome of the meme. It was at that moment. He knew. He screwed up. And and also the other good one, if you can find it, I think uh, John, Johnny Gargano retweeted it. Johnny Gargano was actually in the watch party on uh, WWE's YouTube page or wherever it was they were streaming it uh, during that match, and they specifically hard cut to his face during that moment, and he's just absolutely like, oh, my God, what is this?
2: I actually watched a little bit of the watch party because I wanted to see Riddle and the Bill Goldberg. Yeah. I wanted to see his take on that. And if you can find it on YouTube, go out of your way. He has a very funny story that you know is on social media now. You can go out and find it, but it was very funny, nonetheless.
0: I was hoping after the third spear that uh, Dolph took and he Ooh. sold like no yeah. man. And yeah. I told I you seen. he was going oh, to. I, yeah. I agreed with you. He he definitely stole the show on that one. I was hoping Riddle walked out. Yeah. We were just going to hear, bro. He did say that. No,
2: he threw his phone, which is even better. Yeah.
0: I was waiting on that. I mean, the other stellar moments of the show was, I mean, AJ Styles and Ricochet was was probably the best wrestling match of the night and the ending of that. And then the tease about bringing Finn Balor to the club is, I mean, hashtag when. Yeah, no. I
1: mean, it was an okay card. I mean, my biggest takeaway and my biggest thing I enjoyed about the card was I don't know who was in charge of the pacing of that card, but kudos to you. The pacing of this card was superb. It didn't feel like WrestleMania where it was a slog and we're sitting there at ten thirty or whatever time, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock, and I'm going, "Oh my god, we have how many matches left?" No, it, r- it wrapped up good. It, we were sitting there at like nine o'clock and going, "Oh my god, we we have wait like three
2: matches left?" Yeah, I was texting uh, some friends and I was watching the the PLL Premier Lacrosse League had. Uh, you know their premier game on that night with Paul Ravel, so I was kind of bouncing back and forth watching that. And they texted me and were like, "It's only eight thirty, and we still have five matches left." And I was like, "This game's going to be wrapped up by nine I made the right choice here, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, the show ended up ending at a decent time versus WrestleMania. So uh, obviously, the card and matches that had changed and get uh, moved off of the main show onto Raw. It's unfortunate for those wrestlers, but for us fans. <laughs> I'll take it. It yeah. worked. It
0: worked out in the end. I mean, they got their time on SmackDown and Raw, respectively, this week. So it's not like they were completely banished, and right? You know I mean? But it's you know, but, you yeah. want to be on the card. Oh, every, you know every I mean? wrestler, every wrestler, right. wrestler yeah. wants to be on the card. No, it doesn't matter what. But like I said, the takeaways from this, I mean, AJ and Ricochet was awesome. The tease for Finn Balor, uh, Bray Wyatt was the moment of the night yeah. and lived up to expectation, in, in every yeah. single way. And Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar actually had a really good match, and I'm, yeah. not, I'm not mad at the ending. I don't know what's going to happen now with Seth, but. You know, let's so see where so it
1: goes Seth, Seth beat Brock straight up. There was like no shenanigans involved. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, I mean, overall, great weekend of wrestling. Yeah. So we'll have to see what happens moving forward. The music you heard on today's podcast is Fair City Fire. You can check them out on OchoDuroParleyHour.com under the music section. You can find all the music you hear on the show. So definitely head over there. Check it out. Interact with us on social media. Hashtag ODPH. Once again, another shout out to One Movie Punch for sharing the promos this week. Definitely check them out. OneMoviePunch.com because that's all we got for this week. So for Coach Duffy, Daniel Jones, Padawan J, Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast. We'll see you next time.